teachers. You are listening to the thing that we do on Fridays with me, Brother Lawson, and Brother Wing. Happy Friday to you, Brother Wing. Thank you. Hey, guess where I am? I'm going to guess that you're in uh, the mountain time zone. I am in the mountain time zone. Could you? (laughs) You're so good at guessing. That's amazing. Yep, I'm in the great state of Utah. I wish if... If I would have been more um, strategic in my sitting, I could show you all the temple that's being built right behind my parents' house in Linden, Utah. It's pretty amazing. It's it's awesome. Did you know, I'm not sure if I told you this or not, but this temple that's being built right behind my parents' house um, has two baptismal fonts in it. Wow. And uh, Elder Christopherson, when he did the groundbreaking, he said, we're building this temple for the youth in this area. So it's going to be heavily used for baptisms for the dead. They, they do baptism, the youth, as you might remember when you lived in Zion part two, Zion part one is of course, no, no Zion. Zion part one is Missouri. Zion part two is Utah. Um, But those seminary kids would oftentimes go to do baptisms for the dead before school in the morning. Mm -hmm. That's kind of a, cool thing remember did your did your seminary kids ever do that oh yeah i had really spiritual seminary students so Mm. mine were actually super spiritual so they would oh yeah yeah (laughs) so much like much like our early morning teachers uh their their classes i mean their classes are probably super duper spiritual and this week after they study uh first and second timothy they'll be even more super duper spiritual but we'd like to begin our uh, our podcast slash Facebook uh, thing uh, that we do on Fridays with is kind of a tradition that we have on the thing that we do on Fridays where Brother Wing issues a pacing guide apology. And yeah. so, uh, Brother Wing, why don't you go ahead with your traditional pacing guide apology? This is somewhat akin to a Catholic confessional, right? <laughs> No offense to the Catholics out there listening to our podcast, but I'm going to confess. I do think we, we have, that is a large demographic of the thing that yeah. we do on Fridays are the Catholics. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to confess. And then everyone has to like completely 100% forgive me, you know, and then I can go on and sin as much as I want after that. <laughs> this is kind of an indulgence for you. All right, go ahead. <laughs> All right. So I was making the pacing guide. I tried to get it out quick, you know, which means I do it kind of fast. And then I've made a couple mistakes on this one. The last one was worse than this particular one, but on your pacing guide that I sent out to you. Don't try to soften it. I've made way more mistakes, way more worse mistakes. I've done worse than this, and you forgave me for worse than this. So you got to forgive me for this too. But um, the first one, I put 1 Timothy 3, 1 through 3. I don't know know how that happened, but it's 3, 1 through 7 and Titus 1, 6 through 9. I mean, that's how the, the teacher manual puts it. Next one, I put 1 Timothy 4, which actually it's the way that the teacher manual has that reduced. So my version's better than that. So that I'm not apologizing for Tuesday's mistake. No. Wednesdays, I put 2 Timothy 2 when it should have been 2 Timothy 3. And then, look, I'm not trying to claim I'm celestial or anything, but Thursday and Friday, I was perfect, man. I was like <laughs> right up. So man. Anyway, a little uh mix up on on uh on those but you can see what the teacher manual has and then we're going to teach probably something from first timothy one and two as yeah. well as second timothy one and two yeah so anyway so there you go yeah i mean we can justify this further by saying that um you don't you don't need to follow this pacing guide exactly anyway this is just this is just something for you to look at yeah. Like you don't have enough things to look at. <laughs> so um, let's start off. And I'm pretty excited about uh, Philemon. Is there any, I don't see Philemon. How do you say it? I say Philemon. Um, do we even, does the teacher's manual uh, even approach Philemon? No, it doesn't. It doesn't seem like uh, I didn't catch a spot where they. Unbelievable. 
Unbelievable. You teachers, you might not realize this, but uh, Brother Wing and I were once in a master's degree program with each other when we were in our uh, what was that? Our our mid our mid well, I was in my mid twenties. You were in your mid forties, and uh, and I actually we had to um, we had to write a an essay to get in to the program. I wrote my essay on the book of Philemon. Oh, yeah, that's how that's why that's why I learned that some people say Philemon. So. Oh, like- like Philemon. That's Philemon. Yeah. Philemon. By the way, the, in the teacher manual for the last lesson, 2 Timothy 4, in the supplementary activities, it has a Philemon. A shout out to Philemon. I actually really like it, and you're going to like it too. I got, I'm got. i going to tell you a little something about Philemon that you're – we're going to have to decide on how we're going to pronounce it. Do we want to say Philemon? Um. I'll I'll go I'll yield to your pronunciation. Okay, I'm you will because I'm gonna say Philemon. Philemon. Yeah. But you did, I thought you were gonna say Philemoniki or something like that. But <laughs> well, that's that's a lot of good. We're past that. All right. Well, that'll be the treat for the end of the podcast. What Brother Lawson is going to set up for because I got great scripture feasting for Philemon. I mean, it's gonna be great. You. I think you're going to like it. I think you're going to be like, well, awesome. I'm, I'm glad I know you. So for the first time in my life, I am not ashamed of my kinship with Brother Lawson. All right. So let's talk about Timothy for a second. Let's sit. Let's let's take the next 20 seconds and just share everything that's in our brain that we know background about Timothy. Do you think we got 20 seconds worth of background on Timothy? <laughs> I could do 10 seconds for sure, but <laughs> okay, you take 10 and I'll stall for the other 10. Yeah. You go first. So uh Paul apparently was like a strong mentor to Timothy. Timothy was also a missionary companion uh with Paul. And so um so I is that 10 seconds? <laughs> <laughs> so you know, yeah, definitely. Paul taught Timothy a lot. And yeah, <laughs> that's super good background. That will help us in our scripture feasting. Uh, all those things are true. What Brother Wing said. Also, um, so Timothy was uh, was a church leader, maybe even a maybe even a bishop. Uh, he came from a family where a, a part member family. His mom was a Jew, dad was a Gentile. Um, it appears that he was kind of young, right? From, I mean, well, just because Paul said, let no man despise thy youth, right? So he's a young guy, church leader, obviously convert, um, part member family, kind of feeling the loneliness of leadership because people are thinking he's too young to be a leader, Um uh, being young, there's, you know, there's older people that know way more than he does. And so a lot of what Paul tells him is helping him, a church leader, stay stay faithful and avoid being deceived uh, or getting caught up. I think Elder Maxwell used to say in the thick of thin things. And so you'll see throughout, you and your, your students will see throughout First and Second Timothy that Paul is constantly throwing in little uh bits of counsel that will keep Timothy on the covenant path, right? And uh, which is so important for church leaders because they're the ones that are leading the way for, for the others. And so it's, uh, I, I really like, uh, I, I could kind of, as I was uh, reading the the letters here to Timothy and Titus, we'll talk about Titus and Philemon in a second, but the, as I was reading this letter to uh Timothy, both of these, I was just thinking of of how much Paul enjoyed being companions with Timothy. You know, Paul's older than he is, and but he just you could tell that Paul just really enjoyed being a missionary companion with with Timothy and loved him and and made me think about missionary companions that I really liked and had a good time with. And so there you go. That's that's all I got on on Timothy for you, brother. That was Wayne. good. I learned several things. Good. 
Good. Well, I made up half of it. And so <laughs> why don't we jump? <laughs> why don't we jump? Let's go right. In. I really, really like first Timothy one, even though it's not on your, your flawed pacing guide. Um, let's uh, why don't we just start in first Timothy chapter one. Do you got anything in, in chapter one? Cause I got some stuff in chapter one. Yeah. So here's a quick idea with chapters yeah. one and two. Yeah. So, like if you're going to teach on Monday and you know, the pacing or the teacher manual has it with first Timothy three and Titus to talk about bishops, you know, but before you do that, it might be kind of cool to say, you know, like the students that are in your class, you know, Hey students, you know, you feel like sometimes grown ups and adults are kind of bossing you around, tell, always telling you what to do. Trying to keep you down. Giving you advice when you don't even <laughs> ask for the advice. And is it ever, does that ever happen, you know, to you? And, and you know, the parent, the students might have some funny comments to say about that. And then you say, look, let's, let's do something. Let's shake things up here. So you study first Timothy one and two. And what you're doing is you're looking at for advice for adults like for your parents, for your church leaders, for for those who are in the next stage of life than you right now. So give some advice to those people who are 10, 20, 30, 40 years older than you and find it right here. In, in oh, this that's nice. So that might be kind of an interesting way to study these two chapters um, and see what they come up with um, as well. I would keep it short. Um, get, you know, give them like five minutes to read and then do some quick sharing. And then you can spend the latter part, maybe the bulk of the time doing what the teacher manual says here and talk about bishops, which continues kind of the course of you're getting advice for bishops. Not that you're going to advise your bishop, but you're going to learn about bishops. <laughs> and that's a, again, ahead of their time, but you got a lot of future bishops in your classes. Oh, that's a scary thought. Ooh, man, future bishops in our classes. So I really like, I, I like, uh, I thought that first Timothy, like I was saying earlier, when we we're talking about the background of Timothy, um, there's uh, Timothy is, or Paul is super concerned, or at least it seems like he's super concerned because he's talking a lot about the importance of, of staying true to, to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, he uses words like in chapter one, I like some of the things he said, talks about how some in verse six, some have swerved uh, and turned aside unto vain jangling. I like that phrase, vain jangling. I think we could start a band called the vain. Vain janglers like you and I, doesn't that sound like an Arkansas type band? The vain janglers. <laughs> <laughs> A vain jangler is uh, someone who's full of idleness. And so maybe that's, that's not what we want our name to be. Spoons would be an instrument in that. Uh, <laughs> it, would, it would be true. But uh, but he gives a whole bunch of uh, he gives a whole bunch of warnings in here in chapter one about what to what to look out for. I think that uh, one message that comes across in First Timothy chapter one is the importance of of sticking to divinely appointed sources, right? And so you're this isn't going to be the only place you see this, but uh, but maybe you know, having your students just go into first Timothy in chapter one and say, what messages, kind of like what you were saying, what advice uh, is in here for older people? like what messages does Paul have that are that are important for Timothy, who is you know a, a young guy, a church leader, part member family convert what messages does he have for Timothy and why is he why do you suppose Paul is using uh choosing to talk to Timothy about these things I like I mean verse 19 of first Timothy 1 I think this is really cool he says um talks about the importance of holding faith and a good conscience he says which some having put away concerning faith have made shipwreck he's talking about how people have shipwrecked their lives because they have they didn't hold on to faith. Uh, they didn't hold on to their testimonies. And, and so they've caused themselves a shipwreck. I even think if we were just going crazy on the pacing guide, I think I thought that first Timothy chapter four also went well with first Timothy one. And, but we'll get to that and you'll see 
maybe why why I feel that way. But that's good. Anything else on First Timothy one, Brother Wing? Yeah, if your students are sharing and sharing ideas about what they find in these passages, again, we want to just be make sure that every lesson, every time that we're together, we're we're centering our study of the scriptures on the Savior. And so as they give good advice and talk about vain jangling or mm-hmm. warring a good warfare in, in verse uh, 18, uh, we also want to make sure that they point out the the counsel that's given about the Savior, the teachings that are there, like verses 14 and 15 in chapter 1 or verses 5 and 6 in chapter 2, and just um, steer that conversation um, into a focus on the Savior. Excellent. Chapter two is full of too many hard things to talk to about the youth. So let's just skip that and we'll go right to first Timothy chapter three. Does that sound good? Brother Wing? Great. <laughs> yeah. Don't let whatever you do, don't let your students read chapter two. Actually, let's talk about chapter two. Uh, let's let Wing, brother Wing talk about chapter two. I'm just going to, I'm just going to listen to you talk about chapter two. Okay. So, um, there, I like the part of there's godliness is kind of a a point that he oh, makes. Oh, that's nice. That's nice. Yeah. yeah. What else is a point in chapter two? <laughs> you know, the footnote on 4A would be good because there's a Joe Smith translation. I like there. that. Make sure that they catch that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the end of chapter two just talks about the fall of Adam and Eve. And <laughs> what do you have to say about, brother, about that? Brother Are you done with I feel like that was a lot like your background on the on Timothy. I feel like your discussion on First Timothy two was a lot like your background that you shared. Yeah. You know, verse twelve says that I suffer not a woman to teach nor to usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. Now that's pretty much one of the worst verses I've ever read in my life. <laughs> I don't think that's true. I don't think that verse is true. I don't have yeah. a testimony of that verse. <laughs> yeah, I mean, verse eleven actually probably sounds even worse uh, than that. We talked about this in first Corinthians, you know, when something similar was said here, it's sort of, you know, you take these verses. I heard a gospel scholar say it this way for every one passage that you get from Paul, that sounds Mm -hmm. like really bad, like these ones, you have Mm -hmm. 10 others that basically say the opposite. Yeah. And we're going to see the opposite a little bit later. That's true. Yeah, it's true. And so the context, it seems a little bit off um, here. So it probably is not meaning what we think it means, you know, and, and nor is he saying what we think it sounds like he's saying. Mm -hmm. Um, We know that women teach not only in our church today in the latter days, but in Paul's church, right? Heavily and promptly, but they taught in Paul's day as well. And <laughs> Paul encouraged it. You right. Know, so here he's saying something that sounds like it's the opposite. And so he's probably addressing some issue, you know, that's, that's going on that we don't know what the issue was. I mean, it could have been that there was someone trying to usurp authority, like he says there. Like a rogue um, relief society president or something like that. It's trying to uh, take over going against uh, or trying to supersede priesthood keys, you know? And so then there's this language that maybe comes out. That's different sounding than, than the issue that he was addressing. Regardless, we, I don't know that we can say exactly what he meant uh, by this, uh, but we do know that he taught many other things. And so yeah. is it saying that women shouldn't teach in the church? Well, uh, no, it's not saying that because he taught pretty heavily that they should, and and we do too. And Eve is someone who, to be honored for her choice and right. faith uh, regarding the fall of Adam and Eve. And so, again, but family is really important, and childbearing is very important. In fact, it's essential. Uh, and so there are some things in there that we kind of understand, and there's some things that we're like, well, we're going to let Paul explain that to us later. <laughs> I think I think we can agree though on verse nine in First Timothy chapter two that women should not have braided hair. I think isn't that that's a true a, an eternal truth, isn't it? I was country dancing one time and back in my college days, and I got whacked in the face by a, a braided hair, and so right, See? I agreed with it then. 
<laughs> any any story that starts out with I was country dancing one time is gonna be a great story. Do you have any more stories that start out with I was country dancing one time? I do, but it's for a different podcast. Oh, <laughs> <Okay>. so. <laughs> uh, I went country dancing one time with my wife and another couple, and I am not gonna go country dancing again. It was so like I just I have a hard time holding hands with other men. Like I mean this is, you're doing the square dance, whatever, and oh you never square dance. Look, I know this is not what we're talking about here, but that's not the square dances weren't made, they weren't designed by men or made for men. You just that's where you go get a drink of water. I never do that. And I never held hands. What are you talking about? What kind yeah, of square well, dance? it's it's awkward. Like imagine you and I were square dancing. Or line dancing. That's what I'm thinking, line dancing. Yeah. Well, I think we were line. I think we were line dancing. Well, I think we were line dancing. I think that's what it was. Because then you had to hold hands. You know, all the guys had to hold hands on one side, and no and way. No, like, do you interlock your fingers? Do you? <laughs> what do you do? <laughs> it, was, it was a very difficult moment in my life. Okay. Uh, nevertheless, I was still called to be a bishop after I did that. And so actually, I think I was a bishop when I did that. So that's a great segue to first Timothy chapter three. All right. So, uh, this is where we get the idea that Timothy may have been a bishop. We know he was a a leader. He may have been a bishop because Paul has given him some, some bishop advice here, uh, in first Timothy chapter three. So, are kids gonna why, why would a why would a why would a teenager in a seminary class be interested in what Paul is saying about bishops for the wing? Well, one is they're gonna there's their future bishops and future bishop wives. Yeah, <laughs> right there. Um, we want to. It's a very important role uh, that's that's in the church. That's very common, and you know you have a bishop, and so the teacher manual kind of suggests that we should counsel with our bishops. And so this is something really good for the students to consider. In fact, again, like the teacher manual starts out this way and then goes into the scriptures. I just, I just think it's more effective to flip that. Yeah. Scriptures first, because (laughs) especially in this case, like what if you were to say students take verses three through seven and I want you to write your own list. Now, we're, we could just write this on the board altogether, but let's just kind of see what we come up with. And you you come up with qualities of a bishop, like or standards for a bishop that are right here in the scriptures. Now, they're written in King James English and coming from a guy that was living 2000 years ago. So we're going to have to kind of translate this, but you can put it in your own words. But what do you feel like this is teaching about it? And so have them make their list and you could do it. They could do this in small groups um, if that's better um, for your students. But then you're going to have now multiple lists that you can then try to unite and put on the board and to kind of retranslate if necessary teachers to get them with this list. Then once they've got that list, this is good scripture study, by the way. And then once they've got this list where they can all see one list on a board and they've gone through this process of trying to pull it out of the scriptures themselves, discussing it together to make it into one list. I mean, it's really good. Then you say, why are the, why is this the standard given in the scriptures for a bishop, you know, and then in that why, in that why discussion, you now answer the question of why they would want to counsel with their bishop. You know, this is the kind of person that the Lord is, is putting there. These bishops aren't perfect and we, and we shouldn't lead this, we should make sure that this discussion does not go into a criticism of their bishop, you know, at all. It yeah. should be though honoring the role that he's fulfilling, the high standard that the Lord has placed on this poor man, you know, and his family. And uh, and so, and then say, but but say this is the kind of person that the Lord is putting there. And therefore we have an opportunity to counsel with somebody like this. Right. You know, receive great help and strength from the work. Um, that he does. So the answer then comes first, then the questions. That's so that's that's why it's great to start with the scriptures and then find the relevance and the answers to to real questions that we we have. And so that's a great scripture study, good scripture feasting, and something great to lead into talking about bishops. Yeah, I thought it was interesting the way that Paul started that uh chapter three. If a man desire the office of a bishop, 
I think I would have, my next line would have said something totally different than what Paul said, but uh, he, crazy. <laughs> he, is, <laughs> he is insane. The, he desired the good work. I think one thing that uh, would be okay to do in first Timothy three is, is have your students look for the qualities and attributes of leaders. in the church right so if the bishop had before he became the bishop this is this is where he's at right now so this isn't he didn't gain these qualities because he had the office of bishop bestowed upon him but but these are qualities to look for when you're looking for a bishop so i'm in a calling right now where where we've had to we've already had to look for a bishop and so we've used first timothy 3 and looked for uh those qualities in someone already uh and qualities you know, later on, Paul's going to talk about deacons and their wives. And, you know, you might point out to the students that deacons weren't always little 12 year olds wearing Bart Simpson ties with pants too short, but they uh, were leaders in the church that had, they were married and, and had responsibilities and their wives had responsibilities as well. And they had attributes that they needed to, to have as well. You'll see that in, um, in chapter or where is that? Uh, verse eleven of chapter three. So, so I think that this this doesn't just apply to bishops currently serving, but it can apply to anyone who's going to be chosen to to lead. Um, you could even you could even set up a a case study. Like imagine that that you have to that you have to find someone to be a church leader, not just a bishop, but any church leader. What qualities do you see that Paul identifies here would make a great leader in the church and why do you suppose that particular quality is mentioned? Uh, so, all right, uh, moving on, moving on. First Timothy chapter four. I like First Timothy chapter four. Um, there's some interesting. I kind of got concerned about verse eight when I saw that because I read that after I had gone running and I thought, did I just waste my time? Uh, <laughs> but. Again, this is this is I think this is a great chapter because Paul here is giving some warning not only to Timothy but to to you and to I and our students of of what to look for or what to be not you know just to be aware of as we approach the last days. Your students are going to be able to see clearly what Paul is saying here when uh, he's identifying those who seek to destroy faith. What uh, and those who are seeking to keep their faith solid, you might have your students make a list, you know, of on one side of this list, uh, what the how faith is how people try to destroy faith, and on the other side, how might I keep my faith strong, and then have them read first uh, Timothy chapter four. Yeah, that's a great way to approach this because this chapter, I don't know exactly know how to start this and or lead into a scripture feasting. I do feel like I got the result that I would want for my students. And that is that they would realize that it does not matter where they live or even to a certain degree where they go. Like meaning like they got to go to high school maybe. And that high school might have some challenges related yeah. to the spirituality and the influences or environment that they're in, you know? Um, and yet how can you, can you spiritually thrive in a difficult, challenging environment like that? And the answer is yes. Now I'm not saying of course, that they could just go wherever they, you know, go to terrible places that you know you shouldn't be and you'll be fine. Like, I'm not saying that. Like, you should avoid knowingly difficult places. But there are other places where we're just we're just out in the world. We're doing what we're supposed to. We have we have work. We have jobs. We have other people that we associate with that don't have the same beliefs as us. And we can we treat them respectfully and we hope that they treat us respectfully, even though they have different beliefs. So we have all these influences around us. And uh, but. First Timothy four will will help us all to um, be 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 protected, even though there are influences around us. Even when there's people who are deliberately trying to persecute or attack or demean, 
and they're in our class at school, you know, yeah. or they're a coworker, can we still spiritually thrive in that environment? And first Timothy four gives a resounding yes. Or even a, yeah, even a, I mean, if you look at verse one, uh, now the spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times, some shall depart from the faith. So he's talking about church members, right? Church members departing from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of the devil. And then he's going to talk about what happens when these individuals depart from the faith. Some of your students are dealing with that uh, on a family level where they've had a member of their family, maybe even a, a parent who has departed from the faith. It might be speaking lies and hypocrisy. It, they might be teaching things that uh, that go directly against the gospel and and trying to destroy the faith even of the kid. That's a pretty extreme example, but I'm sure that that example. I know that that example exists, and so and so I like what you said. Like it doesn't matter what circumstance we're in, the Lord has provided a way for all of us to be strong in the faith, and especially at the end of chapter four. Uh, Paul identifies, here's how it's going to happen for you, Timothy. Here's how you're going to stay strong in the faith. Um, so I think First Timothy 4 has some some pretty good stuff in there. Yeah, you know, the, the verse about be thou an example of the believers, sometimes I feel like that phrase is, you know, it's a great scriptural phrase, but sometimes I feel like it's used kind of as a club, you know, to be like, you know, be a good example, you know, and and I think the context is more of why we should be a good example. And that's the part where I think it's in, instead of it feeling kind of like, okay, I got to do my duty, you know, to be a good member of the church out there in the world. But if they realize, wait, I, I'm, I'm surrounded by some, by a lot of people who don't exactly have a full gospel perspective, you know, then I, I can do something here. Like I, I want to show them that there's hope and that there's more that to help in this difficult world that we're all living in. So that's why you want to be a good example. You're not just doing it because out of duty, which duty is great, but you're doing it so that you can serve and love and help people. Right. All right. Oh man. We don't want to have an hour long podcast for the week. So what do we, what do we got? Chapter five and six, chapter five. What do you got in chapter five? Um, these are, these are great, uh, to summarize yeah. for your students. Now I will say with chapter six, there's this verse that they've probably heard of in verse 10 for the love yep. of money is the root of all evil. And, um, it might be helpful to just kind of point out, it's not money. That's the root of all evil. It's the love of money love of money is what he's right. saying there. But then it's also, I I've seen other translations where it's pretty much saying it's a like even the NRSV says for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. So it's, I'm glad it's not just money because you and I, as our listeners know, are very wealthy individuals and we don't want to be lumped in that group of, of evil of people. Evil. Yeah. 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 So anyway, that might be useful. And then similarly, um, the verse 12, fight the good fight. He said war, a good warfare earlier, a repeated word throughout this whole letter to first Timothy, this first Timothy letter is godliness. So, and that's also repeated several times in chapter six as well. Right. So that'd be kind of cool to define for the students and what they've learned from first Timothy sort of as a review. Yeah. Two prior days about godliness. Yep. All right. Uh, let's go to second Timothy. Uh, let me see my notes here. Second Timothy, what did we have? Verse or chapters? Well, I don't even remember. I can, I'm looking at the pacing guy, but it's worthless to me now. What uh, what do we do in Second Timothy? Yeah. Okay. So, um, Second Timothy one has one of my favorite verses ever in it. Is it verse seven? Yes. I yeah. knew it. So I don't know how you could not, I mean, really try it teachers. You can't not try teach. to not teach it. Yeah. Go, do your best to not teach. Yeah. Second. I bet you can't do it. I bet you can't do it. And I bet the Holy <laughs> Ghost will pound you like crazy because you have to teach <laughs> verse seven. I mean, this is a verse. It wasn't a president Hinckley. I should have looked this up, but president Hinckley said something like if everybody had this verse memorized, 
the world mir- more miracles would happen in the world. Did he really say you should have found that quote? That's a great quote. You yeah. need to find that quote and post I, it. I might have made it up, but I'm pretty sure that's President Hinkle. Brother said Wing that. said that. So you we know for sure Brother Wing just said that. So you guys yeah. are free to quote Brother Wing. Yeah. So I love it. I just love that verse. I think it should be a doctrinal mastery passage. Um it is that's one to emphasize, focus on. It's so applicable. The way that it's worded in the King James version is also very it's just kind of sounds very yeah relevant you know um and it is very relevant uh for us so the context the next verse verse eight isn't half bad after that as well oh yeah totally so i don't know how to really lead them to this um but if i were i i would do just like you said i would uh tell them a a fake quote from president hinckley and then i might give them Or from Brother Wing, a real quote from Brother Wing, fake quote from Brother from President Hinckley, and you, this might be one that would be powerful to to memorize in class, uh, but not just memorize it, but master it. And and how could we master verse seven? Uh, talk about what are the most important what are the, what are the most important words in verse seven, and have a discussion about that's a that's an easy way to have a discussion about any verse. Uh, by the way, teachers is. Um, ask your students what they think is the most important word or what's an interesting word that seems to not fit in there. What's a sound mind, a mind that makes a lot of sounds. Uh, why does Paul use that, that, that phrase there? And I would even tie into it verse eight, because I, I love the thought of Paul saying, be thou a, pata- a partaker of the afflictions of the gospel. What are the afflictions of the gospel? Uh, according to the power of God. So I think you could have, I think verse seven and eight could be a pretty good scripture feasting, um, pretty good scripture feasting verses uh, on that second Timothy day. I think I may have cut you off brother Wayne. No, you're but... good. Speaking of that, that phrase partakers of the afflictions of the gospel. I mean, yeah, I think it's great that students understand sometimes it, it'll hurt a little bit to be a faithful member of a church and a believer in Jesus Christ. It's, you know, and that's okay. You know, so I, I think uh, sometimes we might expect it just to be really awesome and just everything goes great. But so I think mostly your life is going to be a lot better and easier, <laughs> frankly, if you live the gospel than right. versus you don't, but there are going to be some times where it hurts a little bit, or you sacrifice something or you get treated in a certain way. And uh, Paul's just saying, yeah, just, just let's suffer. Let's suffer. Let's, let's take on those things with dignity and, and faith and perspective. Did I mention most likely that Paul was in, uh, was in a prison in Rome uh, towards the end of his life when he wrote this mm-hmm. chapter? Did we, that's, I think that's some good context there. Yeah. Did I ever tell you about the time I went to that prison in Rome? No, I did not like, I mean, you can You're visit a, it. The Mamertine. Yeah. What'd you do? <laughs> I didn't do it, but you can visit it. You can pay money and go in and see the prison. So okay. that's what I was doing. Um, okay. Let's see. I lost my place. Uh, oh, I had another idea for chapter one for scripture feasting, by the way. Uh, you could you could do this. You could just write on the board, what does Paul testify of that you know as well? And I like that. And just let them read chapter one and then have them share what does, you know, okay, what are some truths that Paul knows that you also know? And then, and then when they share the truth that they know that Paul also knows, you say, Hey, how did you come to know that? Like, why do you believe that's true? Mm, that's a good day. That's a good day in seminary. Okay, that's All right. a, let, we got yeah. to that. That's a great scripture study tool that can be applied at other places too. So I like. Nope. Only only Second Timothy one will that that little scripture trick work. Yeah, that's a great so. one. So thank you. <laughs> All right, Second Timothy two. You can't teach what you don't know. I I exhibit that truth every day, uh, and so it's it's very difficult to teach things. That you, that you don't know. I like that uh, in verse two, 
And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. That's one of the uh, that's one of the reasons why our students are in seminary is not only so that they can um, deepen their conversion, but prepare others, right? Prepare others, their family for eternal life. So they've got to be able to teach uh, as well. And so you see that I like that that little imagery that Paul gives in second Timothy chapter two about the husband, the husbandman in verse six, that laboreth must be first partaker of the fruit. So can you picture a guy even before he's selling his, I don't know, what would you sell uh, there in Arkansas? Cucumbers. Uh, before you sell your cucumbers, you take a bite out of one and you're like, you know what? I think these are good. I've worked hard to grow these babies and now I can sell them. And so similarly, we have to have this experience with the gospel. It has to taste good for us if we're going to be any kind of good teachers. If we if we try to go out on missions, if we try to teach a seminary class and it and it's not tasting good to us, it might not taste so good to those who we're trying to to get to buy it, so to speak. Mm-hmm. That's a great that's a great one. You know, um, speaking of teaching. This would be a great chapter then, like we said before, you could tell your students this. Remember earlier in the week, we found advice for, you know, adults. And how about we find some advice here for a friend of yours? You know, someone even, at you know, someone at school or whatever that you know that you talk to, that sometimes they complain about life or sometimes you just know about their life. And you need sometimes you feel like you need to give them some advice. We'll find it here in Second Timothy chapter two and and. uh and just and you could even make this fast because you want to get to Second Timothy three and spend more time there, but um, just say, look, I'm going to give you 90 seconds, and just get into Second Timothy two. You got 90 seconds to find some great advice for your friends or a a particular friend. Um, I really like verse 16, but shun profane and vain babblings. Now that's kind of like vain janglings, but um, for they will increase for they will increase unto more ungodliness, you know? And so we want to avoid these conversations that are just useless, that don't help, that complicate our lives, or at, at best, they just waste our time. But but Paul's actually suggesting that they, they do much more harm than just waste time. You don't think Paul's talking about our podcast? <laughs> no. I think he's talking about certain parts of our podcast, maybe. <laughs> but not the whole podcast itself. <laughs> all right. That's good. All right. Well, you got all excited about Second Timothy 3. Yes. Tell us really quick, because this is getting to be even longer, this podcast. This is some vain babblings going on here. So so give us give us a quick rundown of chapter three, what we need to do here. Okay. This is a this is a classic chapter of problem solution, you know, like question, answer. In fact, I know that most of us are on a digital devices. We're scrolling through to get to second Timothy three and read this chapter, but the old paper version of the LDS Bible is really great because the first column, basically one through seven ish is like the problems. And then the other column, basically like 10 through 17, it's solutions, you know? And so you could almost treat it like a matching exercise to kind of, draw lines from one. In fact, you could, if you had a paper version, you could just make a copy of that page, page 1515 in the Bible, make a copy of that uh, for all of your students and give them some crayons or pens or pencils or something and have them actually draw those lines from a problem in the left column to a solution. That's that's a good idea. And Certainly, most of those lines are going to center then down in verses 14 through 17 area. There's just so much great stuff about scriptures. Now, you don't have to teach everything on this Wednesday because you're going to have the doctrinal mastery day the next day where you can still focus on what those verses say about scriptures and our scripture study. At some point on the Wednesday or Thursday, it would be very valuable to talk to your students about personal scripture study, maybe some of the goals that they've made to. Um, for their own personal study of the scriptures, whether that's in the Book of Mormon or in the New Testament or whatever, but that that we emphasize to them how 
essential it is that the, that we're studying the scriptures on our own and learning from them and uh, and letting God talk to us uh, every day. In fact, there's in the teacher manual, there's a great quote from Elder Scott about how we talk to God through prayer and he most often communicates back to us through his written word. And that's a and there's a, there's more to that quote that's in the teacher manual. But we should probably take advantage of this opportunity to talk about personal scripture study with our students. Right. <clears throat> Chapter four, second Timothy, I think you can kind of just, I think you can summarize. I do. There are some funny parts. Uh, I like, I thought for some reason I was just chuckling at verse 13 of chapter four or Paul. I mean, he's wrapping up this letter to Timothy, you know, he's sitting in jail and he says, Hey, the cloak that I left at Troas with Carpus, when thou comest bring with thee and the books, but especially the parchments. And so, and so that is, I don't know why I thought that was funny. Then he's talking about, Ale- how'd you like to be Alexander the coppersmith? Huh? Man, immortalized in the Bible, you did Paul evil and the Lord's going to reward him, you according to your works. So I think there's a, there's some, just like Paul, when he ends most of his letters, he has little uh, shout outs of um, thoughts here and there that he wants you to remember, right? As he's, uh, I don't know if Paul ever thought, I don't think Paul ever thought this letter to Timothy was going to be published for, to billions of people. Uh, but I'm sure if he did know that, he probably would have maybe said, you know what, maybe I'll leave the cloak part out of this this letter. So. Yeah. yeah, it is a good, like kind of some of these other letters, it kind of ends with a take effective righteous action yeah. feel to it. So this is a good one to kind of get an action statement. I, I would say, teachers, we've given you a lot of stuff kind of more than four days when you think Monday through Thursday, like there's more than four days worth of content there. If you find that you want to divide things out a little bit, uh, maybe spend a day on second Timothy one and two on Wednesday and then push second Timothy three to Thursday. And then you could combine the doctrinal mastery part of second Timothy three with this second Timothy four on Friday. That would be kind of another way to adjust things. If you feel like there's more, on the front end here and less with second Timothy four. Right. I like that. Um, there is in uh, Titus, there's the one verse that goes along with our Bishop chapter uh, in Titus one through seven. Is there anything else that is in Titus that, I mean, this is a lot of stuff this week. Is there anything else that we don't want our teachers to miss, miss in Titus? I don't know. Because everybody's super excited about Philemon, because I'm going to tell you about Philemon now. Oh, yeah, we got to talk about Philemon. So Philemon, in conclusion, the book of Philemon, the 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 chapter that Brother Lawson wrote his essay on to apply for the master's degree, which he was the very last person accepted into that master's degree. Um, I know that because I was at first rejected to the master's (laughs) degree. And then somebody dropped out and I got in and you don't even remember that we were in a master's degree with each other. Uh, So that will tell you about my essay on Philemon. But I like this, the story. I mean, it's just a one chapter story and it's a story about uh, Paul is writing a letter to Philemon and he's saying, Hey, Philemon is a slave owner. He's a believer. And he also is a slave owner. And and, uh, one of the slaves, his name is Onesimus. And Onesimus had run away, right, and had been baptized. And Paul is uh, is writing as, and and I assume that Paul, I think that he is in a prison. Most often, I think you can assume that, and you're probably right. He is writing as a prison as a prisoner to Philemon, asking him to to forgive Onesimus and to set him free. I think um, in this. In this chapter, you can see elements of. I think if you if you start a scripture feasting and said, uh, in this chapter, I want you to imagine that you are Onesimus. What do you learn about uh, Paul as a type of Christ in uh, and Philemon, uh, who is being asked to be a type of of Christ in uh, in here? And I think you'll see some pretty cool symbolisms to how. Jesus Christ, uh, how Jesus advocates for us to be set free, uh, and how uh, Jesus Christ is able to set us free 
and why he's able to do that. And so I think that's actually a pretty cool, um, a pretty cool chapter. Yeah. So, you know, it really is amazing. And brother Lawson, what you just taught us there is quite profound in, in a book that, that is widely overlooked, you know, mm-hmm. and yet here's this really cool illustration of Jesus in this actual interaction between Paul and Philemon and Onesimus. On- Onesimus. I deliberately pronounced it differently. But um, one Simus. I think it's one Simus is one what it is. Yeah. And so, but this here again, so think about this, teachers. You got Paul advocating for Onesimus, and then you've got um he's talking to to Philemon. And he's saying, like, look, treat him like a brother. Like, I know he, you know, technically or legally, he might have wronged you in some way, but treat he's he's returning to you different. You know, he's been converted to the gospel. And so he's not a slave, he's a brother. And if he's wronged you, then I will pay it. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, think about this, like what what's really the spiritual concepts that are being taught here. And then verse 19 kind of makes you laugh until you realize. It, it can be funny and it can be a, a deep spiritual principle, but he says, I, Paul have written it unto my own hand. I will repay it. Albeit, So he's like, look, if, if he owes you, I'll pay his debt. But he says, albeit, I do not say to thee how thou Philemon owest unto me, even thine own self besides like <laughs> you owe me way more than what Onesimus might owe you, you know, right. you're, you're nothing. You're like, I brought the gospel to you, man. And so you would be totally lost without, without me. And so, but it, it's kind of funny, but then you think, well, wait, couldn't Jesus be saying the same things, you know, to us, like forgive this brother, you know, and if he's, if he's wronged you, I'm going to compensate in your behalf. But maybe you should also think about the fact that, you owe me more than you could possibly repay. Right. And so let that kind of help. And so what you taught us there, Brother Lawson, is sweet. And then how do you help your students discover that so that we're not pointing all of this out to them, but that they can read this, get the details of what's going on with Paul and Philemon and Onesimus. And then maybe they can awaken and figure, oh, wait, this is actually talking about Jesus or also right. talking about Jesus. Awesome. Would love to hear. I'd love to hear like post on Facebook or something underneath where we post this. If you have a good experience in Philemon or if you and uh, or if you have a terrible experience, uh, don't tell us. But um, yeah, we don't we don't want to hear it. No, we'd like to hear it, too. All right. Wing, anything else we need to tell our teachers? No, I think we've we've totally we've told you too much. <laughs> so uh, I think we've done it. We're so sorry. I'm sorry. I'm not sure. Brother Wing's sorry, but. Uh, whatever we have cost you uh, in time and resources, Brother Wing will repay you uh, for your for your loss. Um, okay, teachers, we hope you have a great week. Uh, let us know if there's anything we can do to help you. Uh, we are excited for you to teach this week. There's a whole bunch to teach, but there's some really good stuff to teach. Until next time, we love you guys. Everybody stay righteous. Stay righteous.